You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. You know, I can't say that anymore. I have to say the first podcast of its kind because we've got lots of good folks over there popping up with podcasts to help everybody out. And that is great news, but we are the first podcast of its kind. Let's give a little love to our sister company before we get going today. Literally, without J. Hill Marketing and their editing house bookmark, we would not be here. So thank you for their generosity in allowing us to share hope, hacks, help, and resources to our incredible community that we love so much. If you're writing a book or need copy or copy editing in any digital format, head over to jhillmark.com and check out their services, J. Hill, H-I-L-L, Mark.com. Today's podcast episode is part two of the little known secrets of healing trauma. And we're talking about addressing it in such a way that you can live with it without it taking over your life or allowing self-sabotage or even full-on destruction. You can be a survivor of trauma while you also go on to live a very successful life on your terms. And that's the key. Trauma can feel as though we participated, we're participating in it involuntarily, and that we don't have a choice but to feel pain. And while the pain will be there, and it won't ever go away, the intensity of that pain is in our control. I know that rubs people a little bit the wrong way when they hear that, but it absolutely is true. If we are in total control and total power, then we also have to take responsibility for not being in total control and total power. And I don't say that through a lens of judgment or a filter of judgment. I say that because it is the truth. And when it is accepted as truth, then it will empower you even more. So before I dive into trauma secrets eight through 14, let me recap the first seven that we covered in the first episode, part one of the trauma episodes and the way that you'll learn to live with trauma and the secrets that you will use to get there so that trauma doesn't tear apart your your life. To reiterate, here they are. One, it's about understanding the decisions you made were based on limited information, meaning that you did the best that you could at that time with the tools that you had available. So that is number one. Number two, Getting over trauma is like quitting cigarettes. I would say uh, probably a better decision would be changing your behavior as it relates to how you interpret and react to trauma is like quitting cigarettes. Meaning that the only way anybody is ever going to quit anything is just to quit it and remain committed. That's what I had to do. I seriously quit smoking like 17 times. And when it came to me learning different reactions based in trauma or that were coming from trauma or triggered from trauma, I had to make that my number one priority. No, I'm not going to get angry anymore. I am not going to react this way anymore. No, not one slip. If I did slip, then I would go back and I would start all over again. So that's number two. Number three is refuse codependency, even if it means you are temporarily refusing 
how you think you need to receive validation and love. So let me put it a different way. A lot of times when we're codependent, we are receiving validation and love, but we're not doing it in a healthy manner. And so it's really important that you refuse those types of relationship dynamics. It's not healthy, even if it means you've got to cut somebody off for a little while or longer. I like to look at the retooling of codependent relationships as temporary. My mom always helped me out with that. She would say, that's just what's happening today. That's not all the time. That's not every time. That's just what's happening today. So that's number three, refuse codependency. Number four, you must trust again. You must, or you're going to stay in that same place. I know it's very difficult to trust again. I know it. I've been there. It hurts. You just want to run away. Fine. Nobody's good. Fine. I won't trust anybody. I'll just live on my own. I don't need anybody. But that's not healthy. We need people. And the fact of the matter is, is that you've had a run-in with some people that weren't good for you. Regardless, you must trust again to let yourself know that there's hope out there, that there's good people out there. It's critically important to being mentally healthy. So four is you must trust again. Number five, taking a risk to lose people. When you stand up for yourself and demand change is okay. You can lose people and you will be okay and you will be healthier. And a really funny thing actually happens when you stand up for yourself and demand change and then you might be confronted by people who say, no, I don't want to participate in this with you. Um, and you lose people. The relief is greater than sadness sometimes because you felt so battered. So it's important that you allow yourself the ability to lose people to keep your peace. Nobody else is going to defend your right to have peace but you. So that's number five. Take a risk to lose people when you stand up for yourself and demand change. Number six is create your own closure. This is a great trick. It is a lot of hard work, especially if you want to stay in a feeling. And sometimes people stay in a feeling because it gives them something. So even being bitter or being dramatic gives them attention, for example. So you have to get very honest with yourself about that. If you do, you really want closure. If you really want closure, that means you're shutting the door. You're moving on. There's going to be no more drama. There's going to be no more attention. Creating closure is a gift you give yourself. That's number six. And our final secret to learning to live with trauma so it doesn't rip apart your life like a crazy wolverine is to allow an open mind and heart. Even if trauma is all you've ever known, you need to believe that your life can get better and be teachable. That's important too. What did you not know? How could it go better if you encounter a similar situation? I also find it works to listen to other people who have been there, who have gone there before you. They've gone through a same or similar situation. They know what works. Try out what they are recommending to you. And if it doesn't work, keep learning and keep trying. That's what life is. Life is 
oh, I hate to say it, but we're not, we're not going to get these easy answers in life. We're not going to get like, oh, that's what I needed to do. Well, now everything is completely fine. I'm never going to have a struggle again. That's not what it is. Life is being open to learning. Life is understanding that failing is a lesson and it's a great lesson. And in fact, we need to fail. So that's number seven, allow an open mind and heart. Now, without further ado, let's talk about the rest of that list, the secrets to healing trauma that will allow you to live with it in your life without it driving you crazy, in my case, crazier. So number eight or number one for this show today, change your circle of friends and family who perpetuate the trauma. And it's scary to do that. It's scary to step out, but there are people out there just waiting to love and support you. And for some people, family can be an entity of their own making. Some people call that the family of choice. You might not need to do that, but I've known plenty of people for whom this works. When you share a traumatic experience and you share that history it also can be easy for people to bond over trauma. And I don't think I have to tell you that that is not healthy because they drag it out and they want to keep talking about it. Even people who might be deprecating towards it, they might make a joke about it or whatever. It can feel like, is this what our relationship is, that it revolves around this terrible time? And I don't know what prevents moving forward. I think there's a lot of roles that people play in relationships. Um, and so moving out of that and into a different relationship that is built on something else and built on different roles that allow people to be all of the fragments and sides of themselves, it's important. So if you've got family or friends who are dragging you down and just want to keep talking about trauma or they are living in trauma and they're inviting you into their trauma, if you're being exposed to new trauma, it is time to seriously get those boundaries out. It is time to uh, maybe even make a separation, even if it's something that doesn't last uh, forever. It can give you the chance to stop for a minute and pause and rebuild your life in your way. So number eight, change your circle of friends and family who perpetuate that old trauma or who are living in new trauma and dragging you right into it. Number nine is practice self-love. Now, this is a concept that it seems like everybody is trying to define. And I think it means something different to different people based on different histories. So when you come from a place of trauma, have you ever truly given yourself self-love or have you have modeled for you what healthy love is? Some people might liken coming from their place of trauma to there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough. We were poor. Uh, there wasn't enough. We were abused. Uh, we had affection withheld from us. Some people might say, um, you know, I, there was alcoholism in the family. And then, for example, when my mom, not my mom, I'm just using an example, when she stopped drinking, 
then she felt so guilty that she tried to give us too much. She tried to be there too much, to spend too much time with us. So coming from a frame of reference for this is going to be difficult if some of those circumstances have been your reality. Um, I've heard that people try and parent themselves like there is a small child inside them that can be healed. So you have to step outside of yourself. In this case, you see a small child on the sidewalk and they're crying and there's no adult around. What are you going to do for that child? What are you going to say to that child? How will you treat that child? You're not going to yell at that child or berate them for crying or being weak or not knowing better or not being self-sufficient or not being resourceful. You're not going to tell them that they're being too loud or they're a pest. You are going to go to that child and ask, how can I help you? What do you, what do you need? Of course you are because you're not a psychopath. Well, the same is true for self-love. What do you need? I'm sad. I had a bad day. What do you need? Do you need to cry? We need to cry as human beings. I hate to break it to you, but we do. It is a physiological function. It actually serves multiple purposes. So if you need to cry, cry. If you need to scream, scream. Go scream into a pillow. If you need to go stomp your feet, go stomp upstairs. You know, there are different ways to get these emotions out. So self-love can be allowing yourself to have emotions, but it's also being in touch with your emotions and giving yourself what you need. It's like, man, I cannot take one more second of this day. I'm going to go slide into a bubble bath. I'm going to go write about it. I'm going to go have a nap. I'm going to go give myself a little treat. Maybe you're allowed to have dairy and sugar, but I'm not. So maybe I'll have banana, whoop de doo <laughs> but the point is that you're taking a moment and you're saying, I need something right now. I have to give it to myself. It's going to be good for me. Self-love is also preventative medicine. And I don't mean medicine like the kind that comes in bottles. I mean that every day you're taking the best care of yourself that you can. You're trying the best that you can. You're giving yourself good messages. Wow. Instead of saying, wow, my hair is wild and crazy. I look like a cave woman. Maybe you're going to say, holy moly, was I ever blessed with a lot of volume. You're going to flip the script on yourself instead of saying, oh, I just, I can never hold on to my temper. There's no point in me even talking to anybody else because I can't do it. You're going to say, I must feel really passionate about that. I know I need to show up differently, but I must feel really passionate about that. So if I'm showing up angry, maybe I can go write it out. But you're giving yourself those little messages every day. I'm strong. I can overcome. Everything I need is upstairs in my brain. Everything I need. Maybe I just don't know how to tap into it yet, but practice that self-love. And that means that you have rules for taking care of yourself. You're going to be clean. You're going to take pride in yourself. That's important. Not only is it hygienically important, but it gives you a message. I matter. I care about me. I like to give myself good things that make me feel good because I deserve them. 
So practice self-love in a reactive way when you act in a manner or respond in a manner that you're not crazy about, and then preventatively every single day. Shut down the negative thoughts that are stampeding in your mind and replace them. When I had to get over my anger, I knew I needed a substitution. I had no idea I was doing NLP at the time, neuro-linguistic programming. I had no idea I was doing that, but the, it's, uh, there's something called cancel. You cancel your thoughts. So if something comes up and you, and you say, oh, I'm terrible at this, cancel, cancel, cancel. That would be your immediate response. Cancel, 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 so that you stop the thought in its tracks. What I did was not the cancel situation, but I came up with an alternative. So if I wanted to say, wow, Hillary, you're not good at math at all. This is, you should just go sit down. I would have ready a response that would say, you know, that's not true. You know, you're feeling frustrated and you know, you're very smart. So I'd have those responses ready. Oh, wow. Nobody wants to talk to you. You know, you're boring. And I would say again, you know, that's not true. That was my commonality right there. I would always say, you know, that's not true. And I would follow it up with the truth. Yes, I am. Yes, I, yes, I am bored. Yes, I am. Interesting. Yes, people want to talk to me. Yes, they do. And they want to talk to you and they want to be around you. When you give yourself these positive messages, that only reinforces that. And you'll believe that. You will believe that. I believe it about me now. And I don't believe it in like an egotistical, like, woo, everybody wants to talk to me. I believe it in a, I'm a human. I try to give value. And I think people see that. And I think they want to spend time with me because of that. And I want to spend time with other humans who are the very same way. So our next secret is build on little wins. Trauma teaches us limitations. Trauma beats us down. Trauma gives us incorrect information, and we absolutely cannot allow that to happen in our lives. We have to operate with the correct information. Trauma is going to surround all sorts of abuse, which you know what that does to your mind. It tells you that you deserve it. It tells you that you're nothing. It tells you that you're not important, you shouldn't be listened to, that you don't have any power in your own life, you don't have any control. It's absolutely stripping you down. So your little wins, and these can be anything. I learned how to properly walk my crazy dog today. Oh, that's a win, that's amazing. Man, if we could do that in our house. Little wins teach us what's possible. Like, I can do that. I can do something else. What else can I do? Well, let's see. Uh, I closed a client on a project today. Well, that's amazing. I bet I could do that again, right? I ate healthy today. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I know I can do that again, right? I got closer to my mom. I spent time with her. And I made a concerted effort to listen to her and to control my temper if we approached any sort of subjects that felt a little on the fringes. Great. 
I did the same with my daughter, did the same with my son, I did it with my father. Whatever the case is, you're taking these little wins that might not seem like they're much, but they teach you you're capable. They teach you you're smart. You can figure it out. Those are very, very important messages and experiences to give your brain. Your brain then is going to stand up and go, all right, listen, I know we want to call ourselves a piece of crap like we usually do, but what? But look at this new information that came in. We've got new data coming in right now today that tells us we can do so much. Now your brain has to contend with both of those things. Well, what's true? Keep winning and you're going to keep beating that trauma down. That's what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. You're going to make that decision. I will see these as wins, even when something that is perceived to be negative happens to you. And you turn it around and you go, wow, that was actually a really good thing that happened because it allowed me to do this, this, and this. It's amazing. You teach yourself. We train other people how to, we train other people how they can treat us. And I use this analogy in business where if I have a client who is constantly texting me at all hours of the day and night and I'm responding, I'm training them. This is okay. This, this mode of communication is fine. Versus if I let them know, hey, I respond better on email. That is a level of control that I can implement. Now, just the same way that we train other people to treat us, we do the same for ourselves. We condition ourselves to how we will treat ourselves. Oh, you can't do anything, right? Well, it's another day, another crappy day where you did nothing but sat on your butt. Oh, we're so mean. We're so mean. How in the world do we ever expect to crawl out of whatever emotional grotto we happen to be in if that's what our cheering section is? Negativity, it's not possible. So one win, one day, that's it. I'm a big fan of one. Do one thing. One thing. Well, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to exercise more? Great. You know what? Go for a walk. That's your one thing. That's it. Focus on the one thing. Get really good at the one thing. Add in another thing. Then, that's still one thing because you've gotten used to the first one thing. So build on little wins. Unteach your brain who you are. And just watch yourself come alive. Next, give thanks for the yin to your yang. In other words, you can't be where you are without your past. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, I've had some very long spells of not feeling well this year. I'm sure it has nothing to do with stress. Nobody has any stress in 2020, but we all know that's a load of baloney. So, of course, you're not going to feel well. You're not going to feel like yourself. You don't have certainty in your life right now. You don't know where you're going, where you're working, where you're living, whatever. A lot, many, many people going through that. Many, many people. Misery probably doesn't feel better in that company, but it is what it is. What got me out of this was I did a healing session 
And I just needed to say it. I just needed to say it. I needed to say, you know what? I really wouldn't be here where I am today, experiencing all the joy and the love in my heart and my relationships with my husband, who I've never been closer to. And the, <laughs> and the greatest thing is that the older we grow, like the funnier we get, the less tension and stress there is. And we just laugh at stuff now. Oh, did you forget to do this? Yeah, you forgot to tell me. I don't remember you told me. That just goes on like that. And we laugh about it. And it's funny. And then we hug each other. And then we fix whatever it was that got forgotten. My children, after I think I'm finally starting to get over the fact that they left the house and I had thrown myself into my children, um, we're so great. We're so great. We talk every day. And I am okay not being a hands-on mom anymore. I am okay. I have these good blessings. I have beautiful animals. My business is incredible. I would not be here appreciating any of it to the degree that I am if I had had it so good. I don't care who you are. You cannot teach that level of gratitude without being exposed from the yin to the yang. You absolutely cannot teach that level of gratitude without feeling, feeling bullied or afraid or unsure. Where do I go for my food? I don't know. Where do I go for my electricity? I don't know. I was talking to another client about this yesterday who went through the same thing and we kind of get each other. And now what you have, like, I kid you not, I turn on the light switch and I'm like, and there is light. And it's so, and it's so great. And it's so ridiculous, but it teaches you appreciation. My cell phone, good grief. Are you crazy? I had to go use the payphone on the corner. The struggles being sick. Oh, being sick will exhaust you. It will bring you to your very limits. You'll learn that people won't treat you very nicely. But the good thing is that when you do the work, you can see, wow, you're not treating me very nicely and I'm going to go to a different doctor's office. Sandra, you know who you are. <laughs> all of it. We have to be grateful for all of it. When we can be grateful for all of it, we can detach from that anger. I was stuck in that anger. If you're suffering, if you're hurting, there is always a silver lining. And I know some days you don't want to hear that. That's okay. It's kind of like when you feed a baby. You know, when you feed a baby, you want to make sure that overall, over a period of time, the baby is eating well. You're not going to say, well, I got to rush the baby to the doctor because I haven't eaten today. Just say, overall, this baby is well-nourished. Great. Do the same thing with this perspective. Have bad days. Everybody's going to have bad days. I have bad days where I'm like, well, crap. I'll give this gratitude away if I can just stop hurting. I, I don't want it. But then I have to realize it is teaching me. It is giving me the ability to have abundance and abundant amounts of gratitude. So give thanks for the yin to your yang, whatever it is, whatever that trigger is, wherever your pain is, that is where you want to go. That is where your growth is. Next secret for 
living with trauma so it doesn't tear you apart. Number 12, find ways to express and vent that are healthy for you. So just because you feel a certain way, and I had to learn this, just because if you feel a certain way doesn't mean you get to act a certain way and that you get to hurt people. That's not okay. We don't get to do that. We don't get to, there's no justifying any violent behavior or emotion that will hurt other people. That's not okay. I mean, those are the two criteria. If it, if it hurts other people, if it's violent, that's not okay. If it hurts you, so I guess there's three criteria. If it hurts you, then immediate no. There's no black and white here. You're going to be frustrated. You are going to hurt. You are going to, I think you're going to go through all the stages of grief personally. Because going through trauma is a loss. It's a loss of you. It's a loss of your health. It's a, a loss of your security. So any of these major groundbreaking events that help to form and shape you through loss are going to spiral you to a degree. You're going to feel angry. You're going to grieve. You'll wish you could bargain. I don't know how you would bargain in the past. Give me a better life and I'll do this, maybe. You'll get to a point of acceptance, but I think acceptance is funny because acceptance isn't like, I'm here, here's the destination, I never have to go backwards. Acceptance is, um, it bounces around a little bit, and I think all the stages of grief are like ping pong balls. We can ping over here, ping over there, we're going to go here, go here, go there. Very unpredictable. You're not going to, oh, I'm angry. Next, I will be sad. You're not going to do that. You might be outraged in the beginning. You might be ridiculously sad. And you'll bounce around all over the place, but it's not predictable. And it is not a milestone where you reach this milestone. You're never going to go back there and never be sad again. That's not the way it works. Unpredictable volatile emotions are going to rage through you. And so you must find healthy outlets to vent. If I had enough energy, I would go to one of those rage rooms where you're in there and they have a bunch of furniture and things that you can break. In fact, I, um, we were watching the Osbournes the other day. It was when they, when Jack and, um, Ozzy, travel across the United States and they go to these different places and Jack set up an appointment at one of these rage rooms and they went in there and they busted up a toilet and a television and a couch and, a, and all of this old, you know, glassware and all of it was just right there. All of the knickknacks, all of the porcelain, or as they used to stay on the Wheel of Fortune, Capodimonte. All of that, all of that in the room, sledgehammers, you just go to town. Man, that would be great. That'd be great. That's a healthy way to vent. If you want to talk to somebody about your feelings, you can always start with, I, I feel this way. I think we talked about this before because nobody can say, no, you don't. What do you mean? No, I don't. I just told you I feel that way. It makes it a fact. So what, if you can't deal with that, that's on you, man. Take responsibility for your emotions. Take responsibility for how you are working through them. So it's healthy for you, healthy for others. Obviously, there's therapy too. I am a therapy veteran. 
You're not going to get anything out of therapy until you're ready. I, that's the God's honest truth for me. You're not going to have somebody tell you this, 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 and this, these are facts. That's it. Go do this. You're better. No, this is all work. It's all work. You got to show up for again and again. So that's number 12. Or I guess we would call that in this one, one, two, three, four, five, or number five for this episode. <laughs> so number six is going to be that you work on being comfortable in stable situations, as comfortable as you are in times of strife. Trauma survivors just kick butt when they are in the middle of struggle. When you are knocked down and living in the gutter, man, it's easy to be resourceful, isn't it? Oh, I, I, I come alive. How much money do you need to save right now? What do we need to do right now? How do we get from point A to point B right now when we have nothing? We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose our jobs. How do we do it? I'll tell you right now. I can make, I can squeeze rocks and make them bleed money. They'll be screaming as I'm in the yard, squeezing them. That's not really healthy, though. You might suspect that. That's not really healthy. What is healthy is to create longer jags in your life where you're stable. So at first, stable is going to feel weird. It's like, ooh, this is weird. I don't, I don't know about this. Where's all my drama? Where's everything that I need to focus on right now? Sometimes when you're in a stable situation and you've been nothing but traumatized, it's completely untenable. You can't do it. That's why you have to approach it a bit at a time. It's interesting to find out stability is also sometimes boring. So if you come from a place of trauma, man, you've been busy. You've been busy thinking. You've been busy defending. Likely never on the offense. But always, how will I get through this day? How will I live with this abuser? How will I live in poverty? How will I adjust to another loss in my life? How will I move again? You're unstable. So the goal is to be as comfortable in times of struggle as you are when you're stable. And you'll need to keep coming back to it. You might want to self-sabotage. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. It feels too good. This guy's too good to me. This girl's too good to me. I'm not used to that. They haven't cheated on me. They haven't called me horrible names that came from deep, dark confessions that I gave to them in trust. They, they haven't done that yet. They haven't used things against me. They haven't tried to hurt me. I don't know this. I don't know this life. I want it. I don't know how to do it. And the secret is that you stay. That's the secret. You stay. Another secret is you do less. You do less. You say less. You be in the moment. Oh, I don't need to ruffle these feathers. I don't need to do that. I can sit and have a nice dinner. Okay. I can be afforded the peace that I need sometimes to be alone without somebody else taking it as a personal offense. Okay. 
Okay, I got to get used to this. Okay, I'm still in the same place. Okay, that's critically, critically important. I guess Bobert feels left out and he, and he wants to say hello to everybody. And so he knows that he's not allowed to do that. He is not allowed to do that. <laughs> I, if you can hear the clicker in the background, it's a bark be gone. They should probably be a sponsor of this podcast. Um, but it just emits this ultra high uh, noise that people can't hear. So number six was work on being as comfortable in stable situations as you are in times of strife. Number seven, accept that there might be a defining, illuminating moment where you do trust or you do feel secure. Sometimes when we are exposed to enough trauma, and especially in our formative years, healing to an extent where you won't react or be affected isn't going to happen. But at some point, it's going to get you to a place that you can live with it. One of the best things I heard from my friend and author Burton Hughes was that you might never be over it. But you are going to have to live life taking the precautions to be healthy anyway. You are going to need to participate in your relationships in a non-toxic way anyway. You are going to need to reboot your brain and change the expectations. For example, I have learned that when people are five minutes late, I may not ever stop thinking they are dead. I might not. I might not ever stop thinking when we get into a fight that I'm about to be left. I might not ever have the urge when we get into a fight that I want to scream and end a relationship because that is what I know. And I know it from a very, very long time ago. It is rooted in the fact that people left. And then it was rooted in the fact that I had to leave them before they could leave me. So you may need to live with it. And when I learned that, I thought, oh my gosh, my quest is over. I, I don't have to strive for being somebody who is different. I'm not ever going to get that moment where it's like, this is it. This is great. I'm done. This is fantastic. I'm healed. Sometimes your trauma is so deep that it doesn't heal. And you have to learn that you are going to have to live with these knee-jerk reactions. But the magic is in changing them from knee-jerk reactions. Now there's something that you ruminate on. Oh, that's coming up. Okay, I want to leave right now. Okay, I want to destroy things right now. Okay, I want to self-sabotage right now. You know, you might have a situation where you're always thinking about the end of the relationship. Well, what am I going to do after this? Well, what's after this? Because that is what you experienced. What am I going to do when that person is gone? Because that is all I know. People go. But you don't have to act on the fear. That's where the magic comes in. It crops up. Great. I see it. I hear it. I feel unsafe right now. 
not because I'm in danger, but because I'm in that place again where it seemed like I was going to lose everything. But I know cognitively that's not happening. So I see it. I hear it. I'm going to be with it. I'm going to let it go. It's true. You can do it. You can let it go. You can have a fight and not split up. Who knew? Isn't that crazy? You can let it happen knowing it will happen and then start to control it. And that is our last secret to overcoming trauma so it doesn't tear you apart like a wild wolverine inside. Let's review. Number eight, change your circle of friends and the family who perpetuates your trauma, old trauma, or who brings up new trauma, and even more so who seek to bond with you over trauma. Sometimes you need a little separation. Number nine, practice self-love preventatively and reactively. So every day, loving yourself, taking care of yourself, working on your mindset reactively, not judging yourself when you're not doing what you want. Number 10, build on little wins. Trauma teaches us limitations. Little wins teach us what's possible. 11, a little difficult. Give thanks for your trauma. You can't be where you are without your past. Can't have the level of gratitude, of thankfulness, of clarity, of information to just move forward. What direction am I going to go? You wouldn't have that. It's kind of like if it's Christmas every day. Well, loses its luster after a while. So you want to make it special, right? It illuminates what it's like not to have Christmas. That's what trauma is like. Trauma is like not Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday you choose to celebrate, right? Number 12, find ways to express and vent that are healthy for you and others. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You're going to have these feelings. Do you have to move through them in healthy ways? Period. There is no exception to this rule because you don't get to hurt yourself and you don't get to hurt other people. Number 13, work on being comfortable in stable situations as you are in times of strife. As comfortable in stable situations as you are in times of strife. It's possible to do. I believe you need to do it in little exposures. It's kind of like uh, if you're a drug addict and you stop. I'm going to take it one minute at a time. Great. I'm going to take it 20 minutes at a time. Great. I'm still here. It's still okay. Perfect. It's been one day. Perfect. It's been two years. I'm going to keep going. After a while, you recognize, am I trying to pick a fight? Because that's what I like or that's where I shine. It's picking up all the pieces and figuring it out. Let's not be, let's not have that be where you shine. Let's have, let's have you being comfortable in a stable situation where you shine. And finally, 14, accept that there might not be a defining, illuminating moment where everything is resolved. You're done. You're not going to think about that person being five minutes late and they're dead in a ditch. You're going to do that. You're in a relationship. 
oh, I'm never going to think about it, never ending. You're going to do that. You have been conditioned for volatile, painful change that is repetitive, likely, if you have either PTSD or CPTSD. You've been conditioned. And if you went through this as a child, it got in your head, man. It really did. This is These are the references that I have. And as a child, you learn how to self-soothe. As a child, you gather in information that you will use in adulthood to be okay. So you didn't get that. If you went through this in, in your childhood, you didn't get that. And that's okay. Because you can still live a quote-unquote normal life. But you may not ever recover to the point where you don't think or fear certain things. And that's okay. You can still have a super great life. I hope this show has given you some ideas for how to handle your trauma. I'm a big fan of hearing people out who have been there, done that, and experienced progress. If you feel it will help others, I invite you to share it as well. The point is that humans are so resilient, but we have to turn on that resiliency. The, the thing that people who manage their trauma well have in common is that they choose to make certain decisions. And at some point, their desire for moving on in a healthy manner supersedes anything else in their life. I'm done it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of feeling alone. They want it so bad because they are exhausted of the draining and intense emotions. So they stop at nothing to make massive leaps in their recovery. And it's interesting because you will find that you are responsible for that. Again, you won't get to 100%. I don't think that's a realistic expectation for anybody. But you are responsible for your recovery. I want that for you. You want that for you. Everything that I shared today is tried and true. They're tactics I have used myself after attending years decades of therapy and flirting with all kinds of rock bottoms from multiple divorces to being homeless, ostracized, abandoned, bullied, running away, surviving an eating disorder and all kinds of abuse, as well as my circus of diseases. Do, 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 I hate them. <laughs> it was all designed to tear me apart, but instead it simply made me better. Showed me every day. Look how strong you are. Look how you handled that. Look what you showed yourself. You can handle confrontation and you can do it in the way you envision. Look at that. Huge, huge growth step. So after you listen to these two shows, please let me know how it goes for you. Especially if you're trying one or any of these tactics. And I want you to know as we close out, I care. I'm not the only one. Take it in and hear it and believe it. Just If you can't believe it, just hold on to it for a little while as you walk around the house or go through your day. And remember, so many people are waiting to love you exactly as you are. Got a story to tell either through a riveting book or compelling copy? 
Reach out to J. Hill Mark. That's two L's for the help you need. Their strategies are based on age-old advertising techniques that tap into the psychological motivation driving your readership or audience. Man, it does not get better than that for fundamentals. Again, J. Hill Mark. J-H-I-L-L Mark, M-A-R-K dot com for content that delivers extraordinary results. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well. <laughs>